It's time for Cadillac on Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac on Call, here's Jim Hall. Hello, friends. Welcome to Cadillac on Call presented by the Cadillac Foundation. And as we come on the air today, we are 10 days before Christmas, December the 15th. And as we come on the air tonight, a couple of very contrasting statistics to share with you. First of all, uh, the ominous one, and the across the country, the number of people who have died due to COVID has surpassed 800,000 in the United States. Conversely, it was just about one year ago today here in the Tri-Cities, and I know elsewhere around the state of Washington, that the COVID vaccines were first started to be distributing to healthcare workers in the community. So as we come on the air today, uh, we're in that holiday season, and, and we're fortunate to have with us, as we have for many weeks in the past two years, Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. And Heather, I guess I preface uh, my first question with these two contrasting statistics, but probably the most important right now is where are we with our current case rates as we uh, get zero in on Christmas? Sure, I think that's a really good question. And as we look at our data and where we've trended over the last couple of weeks, you know, last week we were talking about still heading down or probably just kind of hanging at a plateau. And unfortunately, this week we are starting to see our numbers creeping up a little bit in both Benton and Franklin County. Um, so that that has us a little bit concerned. It's probably a bit of that post-Thanksgiving spike that, that we anticipate happening, but it's going to be really important to watch it trend over the next few weeks. We have Christmas to get through, New Year's to get through, and on into January, and I think that will definitely show what kind of direction we're going. Um, in Benton County, we're actually up by almost... Um, 10%, and in Franklin County, we're up by about 6%. So definitely trending up, but honestly, Jim, ever so slightly. I think our concern is if people don't continue to do those really important mitigation strategies, will we see a significant spike up, especially with the concern with Omicron variant um, in Washington State and probably becoming more widespread and definitely more trans- transmissible. We just really need to watch our data closely. And as we discuss all of this, there's, it seems seemingly now there's even more markers that we're, that we're watching and new incidents of different kinds. Of, you know, you take on, on the variants. We're now into Omicron. And, you know, we'll get into that in a little bit, but but I guess I just want to focus more so on where are we, you know, relative to the new variant. And then, you know, I know it's so important now with vaccinations being emphasized and, and now the boosters are being recommended to anybody who can get them. So are we going now from being these terms such as fully vaccinated after two doses now that booster will basically make you fully vaccinated just because that's what's required, as we've talked about. Well, we're looking at, you know, again, that fully vaccinated is dependent on which vaccine you take. And then the additional dose, whether it be J&J or an additional dose of Moderna, additional dose of Pfizer, is considered that booster dose. And what we're realizing, you know, the medical scientists, as they're looking at Omicron, 
what do we need to do considering, you know, especially boosters? And they're saying absolutely. Evidence right now is pointing to the vaccine is, is probably protective. And like we've said all along, this vaccine, no matter which variety you take, is not 100% going to prevent you from getting disease. But it does show a very, very high rate of reducing your likelihood of severe illness, hospitalization, and death. And right now, with the way this Omicron variant looks and is acting, it is suspected that our vaccines will offer very similar protection against this variant as it has against the Delta. But again, we're really new into Omicron. We're still needing to watch how it is going to trend, how people are, their bodies are going to react to that, and how does the vaccine actually protect. But right now, it looks like it's good news for protection. Again, not preventing disease 100%, just preventing those severe illnesses and death. And what is your personal, your level of concern, or which is more concerning to you or more important to you, the spread of COVID by people who are vaccinated, who who have the ability to spread and may not realize it, or just the people of the severity of the COVID, the disease that they may get? You know, I think both are, are things we need to, as a community, take seriously. We certainly have, uh, unfortunately, a large number of unvaccinated people in our community. And again, medical scientists have studied which is the better immunity to get vaccine uh, mediated or illness mediated. And they're really leaning to uh, vaccine is, is in the long run going to give you better protection from the disease. But again, if you're unvaccinated, you are significantly more likely to have a severe case of COVID that could potentially, unfortunately, lead to hospitalization and death. What we see with the vaccinated person is there's been a little bit of a, well, I'm vaccinated, perhaps I don't need to wear a mask because I'm protected. Well, again, we need to remind vaccinated people that they may feel perfectly fine, not show symptoms, but what we do know is they can carry the organized organism in their their nose or their nasal pharyngeal secretions and then pass it on unknowingly to somebody that is unvaccinated and could possibly have a severe case or even a vaccinated person whose immune response wasn't quite like we had hoped it would be and they could get a severe case of of covid so where we would all like to get rid of using these masks right now, especially heading into the holiday season, is not the time to abandon one of the absolute most important things you can do to help prevent the spread of COVID and pre- protect your loved ones and your community members, and that's wearing masks. We've had you do this uh, periodically during the past two years as we evaluate the pandemic and its severity and its ebb and flow of surges and and whatnot. If you could take us back one year ago now, what were our, relative to to the severity of COVID? And of course, this is all not rec- as the vaccine was just being introduced, and there was a lot more stricter uh, limitations on what people could could do relative to you know businesses, restaurants, going to sporting events and church gatherings and things of that nature. Give us, uh, maybe remind us where we were a year ago and, and how far we've come, even though we're still on the worry. 
Right. I, I think that's a really good point. We need to look back at where we were a year ago. Case rates were extremely high. The only tool in our toolkit was the social distancing, the hand washing, and the wearing of the mask. You know, kids were not able to go to school like they want to go to school and is important for them. And because of putting all of these tools together, including vaccination, we've been able to move into a less restrictive uh, environment and able to move about our community more. But that doesn't take away our, our social responsibility to our families, our neighbors, and our community to do whatever we can, considering the fact that COVID isn't going to go away in the near future. There's going to continue to be various um, variants that will travel through and give us a, a whole new set of challenges so I, I think we as a community just need to come to accept the fact that some of these mitigation strategies are going to be with us for, for months to come. Visiting with Heather Hill at the Benton Franklin Health District before we take our first break, updating on the vaccination statistics in Benton County. Uh, just over 50% of the total population is fully vaccinated. In Franklin County, that number is at 46%. And I know at the state statewide numbers, that number is, is much higher. So as Heather alluded to, our vaccination rates continue to lag behind those around the rest of the state. So all of the more reason to make sure that we're continuing to follow these mitigation measures and hopefully urge folks who are still hesitant that it's important to get vaccinated. Back with our remaining minutes of Cadillac on Call with Heather Hill right after this. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Once again, Jim Hall. We are visiting with Heather Hill at the Benton Franklin Health District on Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. And Heather, I'd like to spend a few more minutes uh, focused on this Omicron variant that is uh, surfacing around not only the country, but uh, it sounds like more uh, making its way more around the state of Washington as well. Just want to make sure people have the appropriate context uh, as we are on the air today. What should people be concerned with with Omicron right now? I think it's important for people to stay informed and um, understand that this is just it's another one of the variants that are being um, thrown our way by this virus and that what we know about it so far and, and understand that information does change as scientists study it more and more. But what we know right now is CDC does consider it a variant of concern. And that's kind of the middle variant of concern. It's between the variant of interest and a variant of high consequence. So it's definitely considered a variant of concern. University of Washington has been testing um, for this variant, and we are seeing an increase in the number of positives that they're seeing. An example is on December 8th of the tests that they ran that were collected on December 8th, they ran about 217 COVID positive samples. And then of those 29 of them were seen to be uh, Omicron positive. So uh, that was about 13% of that batch that they ran. So yeah, we do know that it is increasing. Nationally, we're hearing that the rate of Omicron is increasing at about a 2% per day. It's doubling at about a 2% per day. So 
it's definitely concerning, especially with the upcoming holidays and the fact that Omicron seems to be all across the United States. As people are traveling, um, particularly in crowded airports, crowded trains, uh, buses, however you are traveling this holiday season, there's going to definitely be that risk of exposure to this variant and then carrying it to where you're going for your holiday or coming back from your holiday. So we definitely see this time of year as, um, you know, kind of that, that time where people are going to spread, whether it's COVID or influenza or any of the other respiratory viruses that tend to circulate this time of year. It's this um, congested travel environment that makes a perfect setting to transmit these things. And then again, looking at our, our home environment where we're going to spend the holidays with our family and what are we doing to, to mitigate the risk to our, our family at that time. But also it's important to remember from what scientists are saying, our tests are able to pick it up. Um, the vaccine appears to be a pretty good way of protecting yourself against, again, that severe um, disease that could result from getting Omicron. And they're looking at, will the treatments work against Omicron? And it appears right now that, yeah, the treatments probably are going to work fine, maybe some not quite as effective as the other. But we know that medical uh, scientists are, are trying to create better vaccines and better treatments all the time. So that's um, really what we need to think about with Omicron is it is here. We need to do the best we can to protect ourselves against it. It's the same mitigation strategies that we've been talking about for you know two years now and that medical scientists will continue to do uh, studies on it and give us the best information they have as far as how to protect ourselves and what to expect, actually, with this Omicron variant. We have about four or five minutes left, and maybe I want to have you recap and, and maybe re-remind our listeners uh, just maybe almost like a lightning round of questions. So uh, forgive us if some of these questions our listeners may have heard for heard before, but I think it's important to re, re-ask them to you, Heather, and, and simple things just as, okay, if you're not vaccinated, why should I get vaccinated? Well, if you're not vaccinated and you really want to protect yourself from the high risk of severe disease, hospitalization, and death should you catch COVID, that's that's the reason you get vaccinated. When I look at the fact that recent data shows that 800,000 people in America over the last two years have died from this virus, that if they had been vaccinated, the chances are many, many of them would still be with us today. And we know the vaccine is safe. We know the vaccine is extremely effective in reducing your risk of bad outcomes. And um, we're heading into the holiday season with 800,000 loved ones that aren't with us this go around. Okay, now if I've had COVID, should I get vaccinated? Yes, absolutely. And that was something that scientists were really looking at closely. Even if you've had COVID, just like many other viral infections, it doesn't mean you are protected for life. And it doesn't mean your body mounted an immune response such that if you get exposed again, you're able to fight it off. So scientists have found that definitely even if you've had COVID disease, getting vaccinated to boost your immunity to the best possible is so extremely important. 
And I've had two, I guess, Johnson or one of the Johnson Johnsons or two doses of Moderna. Why should I get the booster and should I get the booster? Absolutely get the boosters. And uh, CDC and the FDA have certainly said it's okay to mix and match your vaccines now. And the reason you need to get that booster, again, as with majority of vaccines that we work with, the protection that your body mounts once you've been vaccinated does tend to wane a bit over time. And again, this is new information that we're looking at. This is a new organism, a new virus, new vaccines. And scientists continue to look at what is the body's response in the long run. And what they have found is there is a waning of your immunity, just like with many other vaccines. And so getting that booster will, again, boost your body's memory on how to protect yourself should you come in contact with this virus. And I'm a parent that has school-age children that are newly eligible. I think it's age 5 to 12. Should I get my child vaccinated if I'm a little bit worried about it? What, what, what options do I have and what should I do? Again, that is a wholehearted yes. There have been thousands and thousands of kids across uh, the United States that did get vaccinated as soon as it was made available. And we are not seeing severe, significant adverse reactions to children getting this vaccine. But what it does do is prevent that child from getting severely ill, perhaps going on to develop um, multi-system inflammatory syndrome. Plus, it, it will keep the family a lot healthier throughout this, you know, especially this holiday season and then on into the new year. So absolutely, the best way to protect your kids is to get them vaccinated. And then if they're school age, being vaccinated, if they get exposed at school, could mean they get to stay in school and not get sent home um, because they've been exposed. And finally, even though I'm fully vaccinated, I have family members coming, uh, people may be traveling to go see family members. Even though I'm fully vaccinated, should I take the time to get tested? Um, We certainly do recommend getting tested, especially if there's any risk you've been exposed. And those uh, in-home test kits are still available that you can order online or pick up at the Mid-Columbia Libraries around town. And again, we recommend that families maybe uh, commit to each other that before we gather, let's go ahead and do one of those rapid antigen tests. Because if you're negative, then you know that there's a pretty good chance that you're not going to be bringing COVID into that celebration. And finally, before we go, you touched on influenza, but maybe just a quick comment uh, for our listeners about uh, the incidence of flu. I know, obviously, you want people to get flu shots, but are we seeing it? Right now, both uh, locally and in Washington State and across the nation, our, our incidence of influenza is still considered very low. And I was looking at previous seasons, and in, in the 2019-2020, we had our spike about um, now, and then there was another spike in spring. And then in the 18-19 season, it was a late winter, early spring spike. So with influenza, I mean, it can spike early, it can spike late, but right now we know that the incidence is pretty low. Doesn't mean you should forego getting your shots. Absolutely, go get those influenza vaccines on board and um, get your protection built up because, again, it takes about 21 days post-vaccination for your body to mount the full immune response you need to protect yourself. 
And just like with COVID vaccine, influenza vaccine isn't 100% protective, but it will significantly reduce your likelihood of hospitalization and death. Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. As always, thanks so much for your time. We'll be back with the second half of Cadillac on Call right after this. Listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Once again, Jim Hall. A reminder, if you missed any portion of our program, you can catch Cadillac on Call on your favorite podcast platform. Just search Cadillac on Call wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Continuing our conversation with Anna Robel, the manager of Cadillac's Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. And Anna, if you would, I understand uh, COVID has taken a toll in the NICU as well. Talk a little bit about the challenge uh, that COVID has brought and the types of patients that have ended up in the NICU. Yeah, you know, it's it's a little bit different. And I know we talk a lot about COVID in, in the adult world and, and how that's affecting um, that population. But, you know, it, it is. It does. It's our lowest patients here at Cadillac and um, in some kind of, you know, different ways. Um, we have had some limited visitation for our families that are having babies and I'm really proud of for our visitation, and we really did continue throughout the entire pandemic to allow families to to be there for their babies. So we never did shut down um, visitation, although it has continued to be somewhat limited for the safety of our infants. And um, so that's one part is kind of limited visitation just for the safety of the infants. And, you know, one of the hidden things that you and I have kind of talked about that not a lot of people really are talking about is COVID has brought so many stressors in many, many families in our community with job loss and um, and um, isolation and, and different things. So not everybody has the same coping mechanisms. And one of the ways I think that some people are coping is this increased use of opiates. Um, and this opiate use is really on the rise throughout the United States and, and the Tri-Cities and our region is really um, not out of that situation either. And also, too, is more pregnant women with opiate use disorder. And because of this, we're having a lot more infants that are being born with symptoms of opiate withdrawal and call withdrawal syndrome. And um, so not every baby that is born with uh, MAUs is admitted to the NICU. As a matter of fact, we really like to keep them with their moms um, on our birth center so that they can um, help with, with the effects of the withdrawal. And um, But at, at times they do need to be admitted to have some pharmacological interventions. And um, so that's, that's kind of been um, one of the hidden effects for our neonates has been a, a pretty drastic increase in our, in our admissions of uh, neonates with opiate withdrawal syndrome. And so what, what happens in that case? I know we don't have a ton of time, but briefly, if you could just explain what, what, the, what the treatment is and how do we help these babies? 
Yeah, and that's a great question, and every situation is a little bit different. Um, when the babies are there, the biggest thing that we're doing is we're monitoring them. Um, we have a new program that we've actually rolled out very recently, and it's called Eat, Sleep, and Console. And this is a, a nationwide program that is utilized by many, many, many NICUs all over the nation that has really, really good outcomes. And, and the goal of our Eat, Sleep, Console is really to score our babies that are dealing with opioid withdrawal on the ability to be a baby. So can this baby eat? Can this baby um, console? And can this baby sleep well? And all of these things combined lead us to um, utilizing and maximizing non-pharmacological interventions. So our goal is really to not have to treat them with morphine, which is a kind of our go-to um, treatment for the for each baby. If we can maximize their treat non-pharmacological treatment, and this would be through um, low stimulation, dim lights, um, really quiet environment, um, consoling them, really keeping them skin to skin with mom, um, swaddling when needed, uh, pacifiers for consoling, feeding them when they're awake and ready to eat, and um, just meeting their every need and um, really making sure that their needs are met. If we cannot maximize those interventions and we do end up needing pharmacological interventions, um, they would be admitted to the NICU. And our goals right now are what we call PRN doses of morphine, so just spot doses to treat the baby. And, and if they need that multiple times, we do end up putting them on a schedule of medications. Um, once the babies are treated with morphine, um, again, the, the prevention, uh, what we're trying to prevent is for the baby to um, be so uncomfortable and then eventually, uh, you know, they can have the risks for seizures and, and some different types of uh, things that we want to prevent. So we want to get involved early as possible. When we start them on morphine, then we have the necessity to wean them off of that slowly. Um, so it's kind of a, a long process, and once they're started on morphine, um, we do wean their, their morphine down, and that may take days, weeks um, to get them off of the morphine. So it's, um, it's difficult for the babies. It's uncomfortable. Um, one of the really neat things that we've also implemented at Catholic is, is uh, new is a cuddler program where we have volunteers um, come in and, and, and help our parents to console these babies that are dealing with opiate withdrawal. And um, it's kind of been a wonderful benefit. It helps our infants console so that we don't have to treat them as much with the morphine. The less we have to treat them with pharmacological measure, measures, um, the faster they get to go home. And that's better all around. So that's another really exciting part of uh, something that we're doing to help these infants. Well, you should be very proud of your team, all of the team at Catholic, taking care of patients, whether they're days, weeks, months, years, or many, many, many years old. Incredible things happening to take care of keeping people healthy wherever they may be in their life. Anna, thanks so much for taking the time. Great insight as well. Uh, we appreciate that time. And thank you as well to Heather Hill in our first half of our program. And thank you for listening. We'll talk again next Wednesday night. 